Living Proof with Chris Flickinger. And welcome to another episode of Living Proof with Chris Flickinger, where overcoming fears and beliefs through a strong mindset can and will be achieved. This is Dan Morrow, and here is Chris Flickinger. Hey, Dan, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing well. You had a little spill today. What happened? Oh, a spill? Yeah. <laughs> this is before we get started with the conversation. We're just before we're ready to go on air. I got a call from my, my lawn people, and uh, they said, uh, where's your shutoff valve? And I knew that wasn't going to be no. a good conversation. I said, hold everything. Stop the podcast. I'll be right back. So fortunately, I was close enough to home that I ran, shut it off. They hit a pipe doing the uh, the fall, I guess, pre- whatever you do with the fall preparation. I'm not a green thumb. That's why I have people come in and do it for me. So I got them underway. They're going to go fix it. And, uh, you know, we're back. So that's been my my excitement for the day for this uh, Thursday. Now, now the, the dynamic that I noticed is when you came in um, today and I first saw you, you spoke to your wife, Lori, explained to her the situation. And then just came in and uh, said, you know, Dan, how you doing? And, and we rolled with it. Whereas a lot of people, that would be the worst news they've heard all day. And I, I think this goes back to something we, we've talked about be, before, which is, is you know, you, you're already creating these stories as, as to why this is bad. Now, now you had, this is considered an irrigation issue. Someone... You know, busted your uh, uh, sprinkler, correct? Sprinkler system to a lot of people. Immediately, they think, "Oh my God, it's going to be five thousand dollars." You know, and and already now, now we're back on fear, right? And that's an emotion that we have, Dan. And, and I'm glad you brought that up because that's what I would like to dive deeper into today. You know, it doesn't always have to be a serious, life-altering event um, or something extremely dramatic in your life that provokes fear. To your point with this whole irrigation system today. So I was about 10 minutes from home. What's the worst thing that was going on when they hit that pipe? They were concerned. They called their boss. I get a call from the irrigation or from the irrigation company or our lawn company says, hey, you got a problem. Call me as soon as possible. You get a text message like that and you think, what's going on? So when I called, we hit a pipe. All right, what, is, what does that mean? Water's water spraying everywhere. Now they make it more dramatic. And really, is it dramatic? It's a lawn. Mm -hmm. It's outside. It's not flooding my basement. It's not flooding my bedroom. It's not all my electronics. It's just water's supposed to go on grass. Anyway, I said, don't worry about it. This is not a problem. And I addressed my wife. I said, Lori, there's a situation at the house. I got to go shut the sprinkler system off because they hit a pipe. And her immediate reaction was... Oh, like she was taken back. She was surprised. So what fear comes that elevated concern, that elevated emotion of, you know, blood starts rushing. You start getting nervous. You start getting anxious. Well, you see the cartoon images of hitting the fire, the, the fire hydrants and, and just water shooting That's all it. over the place. And this this could be any kind of, you know, the first thing people think about is, is oh, my God, they're terrified of what is this bill going to be? What What's... What's the worst? They automatically go to the worst case scenario. Correct. And that's what I, so when I went there, I drove over, I said, don't worry, this is not a big issue. I'll I'll be right back. So like I told you, Dan, I'll be, I got to run over here. Give me a few minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So I go home, four guys and standing around, they have this look of despair on their face. And the main, the main crew guy is looking at me like with that empathy and that, you know, I'm sorry, I can't believe we did this. 
it's okay. I said, hold on a second. Let me walk inside, shut the system off, which I did. I came outside. The water's done. All right, so where are we in the process, gentlemen? Well, we got to finish here, and we hit this pipe. We're sorry. I said, it's okay. Don't be sorry. I just need you to continue through your day. This is not a big issue. We will dig the portion up that is broke, and we'll replace the pipe. And then everybody gets to go on and um, move through their day. So it always goes back to how do you handle the situation? It wasn't really something to be that concerned over. Is there a fix, and what's the plan? Yeah, but you handled that really well. You know, I, I would be probably because I don't have, I mean, I can if, if, I, if I apply myself. But, but just the fact that I could probably fix it myself. But knowing the work involved, I'm thinking I would have to pay someone and, and get this, you know, taken care of. And, you know, it, this would be a problem for me. Um, but I do see the big picture. Okay, well, we just fixed it first with, with the shutoff valve. We shut the water off now that we bought time. We, we bought an ample amount of time to fix this, whether I can, you know, get my shovel, get my hand, get my tools, and just get dirty and really just do it myself. It, it can't be that difficult of, of a situation, and I'm sure you can even YouTube this. And some people, th- this would affect their week, their month, be- because they automatically feel Oh my God! This is going to set me back thousands. And and does does this have anything to do? It has to. It has to. It has to correlate with just your accident and just your mindset on life. Where look, I've seen the worst. You know, this is just a, a broken pipe. You know, it just resets your priorities. And and that's the point. Resetting priorities is is an, is an important um, step. In, in anybody's healing process, and before you know, before I I go and say, well, I wasn't concerned because I didn't know, and, and we're staying with it, which has happened. Um, I went through a range of emotions, and there's a lot of studies out there talk about there's various, there's six, seven, eight, ten, twenty. Just Google it. There's so many emotions, but it always comes back down to four basic, and everything else is a you know sort of a secondary off of that. So. You got fear, you got anger, you got sadness, you got happiness. So, you know, think about something, in my opinion, this I didn't feel was going to be that traumatic um, of an event. I didn't think it was going to be thousands of dollars, maybe because I'm familiar with and I've worked with irrigation, just doing my little handyman stuff. Like you said, it might be a challenge for you, less of a challenge for me. And I think that's the key because for me, I, I think it's, it's what everyone's uh, afraid of. The, the big quote, the big cliche, fear of the unknown. Know. You know this. You know that, like, if, if, you, if I gave you my guitar, I play guitar, so if I gave you my guitar and you broke a string, you would be panicked, awestruck. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my you know, right. and, and Because from, I'm afraid Danny's going to be upset with me, so now I'm mad at myself, so my anger comes in. There's mm-hmm. an emotion. Then I'm afraid of what you're going to think of me and what I did to your guitar. You don't know anything about a guitar. Right. Where did you do long-term damage to this guitar? Did you do? This? There's so much you right. don't know. The unknown the about unknown. a guitar. Oh, yeah. The unknown factors about a guitar. Where for me it is, oh, just string that up, dude. A two-minute fix, literally two-minute fix. Yep. And and that's the thing, you know. And it's fear of the unknown that. Well, you know, and that that can be. We talk about something. I felt simplistic when it came to this um, sprinkler system. You felt simplistic when it comes to your guitar because you, you it's a known. But, you know, 
learning how to work through that process. And you referred back to an injuries that I had when I got hurt very severely. And we go back, you know, 30 years when this thing happened to me, it was a lot of unknown. There was the fear of how long is it going to take to recover from, and will I ever recover from certain injuries? Um, most of those injuries I recovered from, one that stayed with me my entire life is I'm blind in my left eye. They, the doctors had said, you know, and I went through the emotions. I was, up, I was angry. I was afraid of the future. I was sad. I was trading off different body parts. Um, but then I found a sense of happiness. And that, those, those ranges you go through as an individual, uh, you know, they, 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 last a, they can last a very long time. Um, it's not a snap of a finger reaction. So anybody that's going through struggles out there, sometimes your struggles take, you know, these, it's not a one, two, three, four, and I'm healed. It could take a long time on each one of those steps. At the upshot to myself personally was, we're going to save your eye, but you're not going to be able to see. My immediate reaction was, well, that's, I don't like it. That's stupid. Why would you save my eye if I can't see? Just, Take it out. Give me a fake eye and we'll call it a day. Right. I'm upset with you. You're not giving me the news I want to hear. I'm never going to be able to see. So therefore, what's, what good is this? What's the use? And the response was, here's the why. You're a young guy. You're 19 years old. You have this severe injury. You're going to have to deal with this. And we're going to give you the proper care. But if we're able to save most of the eye, and if or let me rephrase that, when and if the technology gets there, we'll have something to work with. If we do a total inoculation, we've just set ourselves back even further. Right now, it's possible that we might come up with a technology to restore your vision in your lifetime. Think about that, in your lifetime. I don't know how long my lifetime was at 19, but I was young. I'm thinking, the rest of my life, I got to be a blind man. They said, no. The rest of your life, you will have limited vision. But if we come up with this technology, so the unknown has always been there for that aspect of my recovery process. But it hasn't stopped me, has never stopped me from doing a triathlon, has never stopped me from reading books, has never stopped me from getting on uh, in front of people and giving a presentation and looking out and seeing an audience. It's never stopped me from taking in the beauties of what the day has in store, sunny days, rainy days, snowy days. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a process that, you know, you have to kind of coach yourself through when you're talking about the unknown. And, and, and what, what is fear? What, what is, if, if you had to sum it up in, you know, just, just a, a bullet point, what, what is fear? Well, uh, the fear is basically, and I think you brought up in my, I'll tell you, it's really comes down to is, I am unfamiliar, I'm startled, and I don't know if there is going to be a good outcome for me. An uncertainty. An uncertainty. You know, and it reminds me of a story, uh, and I read this, I'm not sure where I picked it up, I listened to a lot of different uh, people out there, and this story came about, there was a, a fellow that was uh, fell behind enemy lines in a war, and was sent to be killed by, uh, you know, in the morning. And the captain that, that captured this individual said, listen, I'll give you two choices. Tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, you can face a firing squad or you can go out the door over here. So the guy goes, well, what's out the door? He said, no one knows. 
All we can tell you is there's unknown horrors. So guy thought about it. Next morning, he wakes up. He selects the firing squad. After the shots rang out, the captain's secretary says, what's beyond that door? All he said was freedom. Now think about that. Very few people would select a door because it's unknown. The fear that we have, lots of people never do things they want to do. They stay in jobs that they don't like. They're miserable, but because they're afraid of what if. And that's fear. And if you sum that up, what if it works? What if it doesn't work? What if I try and I am not successful? The person who's stuck in life is the person who never walks out and says, I don't know. I know that I can, in this example, I can get shot. But you're telling me there's a lot of scary stuff out there. Think about it. Isn't life scary? Yeah. If you knew every step that you were going to have for the rest of your life, what would that kind of life would you be leading? Mm -hmm. So when you think about the unknown and you think about those fears, think about if you never try. Think about if I would have never have tried to say to what you know a doctor says, someday you'll walk, someday your lim- your sight will come back, but you're gonna have limited vision. I didn't allow me to stop driving. I could have been afraid to drive for the rest of my life. I could have been afraid to walk. I could have been afraid to try a sport. Yeah, it's it, it's failing to trust your instinct and listen to what other people say, and let that affect you. Um, you know. They, they will say, don't, you know, through that door is unknown horrors. And in reality, the world is full of unknown horrors They're at, at every corner. Let's just hope that the guy driving down, you know, the highway is going to stay. We're trusting him that he's going to stay in the right, in his lane. You know, um, th- there's, there's just what people are saying. He's, he's telling that, that prisoner on that other side is unknown horrors. So now he is... This prisoner has created worst-case scenarios and, and his own stories to keep him from facing that. Tomorrow he's facing the firing squad. He's going to die, okay? What can be more horrifying than that? You know that's it. The show's over. You know, it, it's how you're going to die at this point. Um, and in life, people will give you that, those options Every day, well, you you have to go to college because if you don't, there are unknown horrors. If you, right. <laughs> without that diploma, if 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 you don't, you know, do this or if you don't do that or if if you don't get a job, <clears throat> if you don't just take this job immediately, you know, everybody is basing their life around the unknown horrors that they're they're telling themselves in these stories in in, in their own stories. Well, if you, if you think about whether you're talking about a job or whether you're talking about your, your general health or you're talking about a relationship, you go into these, um, you, you take these steps or you don't take these steps based upon what your thoughts are. And your thoughts will truly drive your, your um, results. And we talked, I think, before about mindset and having a positive or a negative mindset. And when you, when you um, talk about emotions and you layer that in, what you're basically saying is, I will give you or I will come up with the conclusion or I will come up with the answer before I even try or ask the question. And 
because I don't want to know what I think I might know, if that makes sense. Right. And what you find out is what you thought you knew wasn't it, was not it. I mean, it sounds convoluted, but think about how many times we set ourselves up, we tell ourselves a story, and the outcome that we thought was going to happen was the furthest thing from the truth. Yeah, I'll tell you nine out of ten times, especially if it involves um, just just a, a, a trying to avoid a possible conflict with someone, whether whether you need to talk to your kid about something or whether you, you have to talk to your friend about something or whether you have to talk to your boss about something. You've played scenarios A, B, C, and D. Well, he's either going to do this or he's going to do that or he's going to do that. In the meantime, you're not even taking action on anything. And nine out of ten times, you you actually have the conversation with that person. You know, it's it's kept you up all night. It's it's affected your your digestive system. <laughs> you know, you're, you know, it just, it just messes up everything about you. And then you actually have that conversation, and it's like, why didn't I do this a couple days ago? Or that person might say, well, why didn't you just ask? Why didn't you just ask me? Why didn't you just do this? You know, you you played scenarios A, B, C, and D, but there are 26 letters in the alphabet, and it can actually be the 50th scenario. You know, it never goes the way you, you expected it to go. And so, and also, nine out of ten times, 90% of the times, I'd say, Chris, it works out good, where you leave and, and you're glad you had the conversation. You, you feel good afterwards, you know, um, whatever the, the, the scenario is. But, but there, there's always something good to come from it. And you kick yourself for not doing it sooner. Whether it's quitting the job and, and going here, you've already explained to yourself why you can't quit a job right now, why you need the security because you're going to lose your house if you don't. You're, all the fears you've already said to yourself, which are in reality you know, very plausible if you don't have your act together. Right. Well, if you think about, and you think about what we're talking about, we're trying to help and encourage people and tr- change a mindset here. Um, we're not... You have to base your life in a sense of realism. But if you have a dream, it's your dream. So if your dream is to start your own business and you're going to stay in your job because you're afraid of your other responsibilities, will I lose my house, will I lose my car, you got to ask yourself the question, is it worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, I think we ended the last week's episode with saying, what's the first letter of the alphabet? Since you brought up the alphabet today. And, and you, you know, and I chuckled, and you said, well, it's A. I said, no, it's not A. He said, what do you mean it's not A? And, and you think about it, we've learned that from the time we were little, for those old enough to remember Sesame Street out there, you learned your ABCs. But I said, no, it's I. And if you can't take care of yourself, who can you take care of? You know, if you have a family and your family's counting on you, then who's the person that you got to look in the mirror and say, who's counting me? I'm counting on me. If I don't take care of me and I don't have a good health plan and I don't take the chances and I don't take the calculated risks to chase down my dream to support my goals and that of my family, if I have a family, my goals, if I'm trying to start a family, my goals, if I am trying to start a business, launch a music career, become a speaker, become a writer, become a, you know, maybe you want to be the best contractor in your community. Well, what have you done in order to get the skills that are needed 
so you can get rid of the fear because now you know if you didn't know how to do, I don't know how to play a guitar. Right. I cannot quit my job today and take care of my family knowing that I might have a dream of playing a guitar, but if I don't learn the process and I don't, I don't become familiar with what it is all about, you know, how can I do that? I, you have to have the plan. And right. uh, just like if you want to go home and fix your sprinkler today, um, you know, we learn from each other. You could teach me things, I could teach you things, but you have to embrace it and say, this is important to me, and now I need to take the necessary steps. So whatever your dream is, you got to back it in with what steps do I have to take, what skills do I have to develop, and what do I have to do for me in order to make this happen? Yeah, and, and every single one of us have a personal fear, um, a phobia, um, so, something deep inside us that, that's already cemented itself in us with an abundance of fears. And I'm not just, I'm not talking about, you know, your, your fear of bills or, you know, whatever monsters are looking, lurking in, in the woods or something, or, but everything has a root. There's, there's some kind of cause to have your fear. You know, let, let's, let's take a big one that, that could affect a lot of people in the long run, flying. Everyone has a fear of flying. If, if they don't, some people just love to fly, you know, but everyone has a fear of it in, in some way or another. I know I do. And there's a cause for that. You know, planes crash, planes blow up, uh, things happen. There's always malfunctions. You know, you've absorbed of the million stories of successful flights, you absorb the seven or eight you've heard in your lifetime that have created a foundation for your fear. So now because of that, there's an action you don't take. You don't fly. You know, and now you have a loss. You have a regret. There, there's something you've missed out on by not flying. You could have went to to the you know, to the tropics. You could have went to Aruba. You could have went to California. There are many, I'm sure there are people in business who can't fly. I, I know there was a basketball player who would not fly, and it affected his, his career. Whoopi Goldberg, I know, does not fly. You know, John Madden doesn't fly. You know, they, they drive, they have their SUVs, uh, uh, the RVs and stuff. So now, recognizing that, how do we overcome that? That, I was going to say, I, I do not have the privilege of interviewing Whoopi Goldberg or John Madden, um, but if I was to ask the question, and think about this, no matter what the fear is, so let's stay with the flying. Why are you afraid to fly? So they're going to give you a response. Mine immediately is lack of control. Why? And so my, my next question to you is, yeah. why do you fear there's a lack of control? Because I don't have the control. I don't know what's going on. When the, when the plane takes a dip, I don't know why it did that. You know, in, in the big picture, my last flight, the last flight I had was kind of shaky for me on the takeoff. I've flown 30, 40 times, but the last one coming home was a little shaky on the takeoff, and it seemed like we were never gaining, gaining altitude. Here, looking back... I see that the plane had to take that route and go back, and you know, it was we were 
going to fly up north. We were coming back from Aruba or Cancun. We were going to fly up to Jersey. So, but the plane landing strip probably was facing south. So you're going to take off south, but now you got to do this bank and and then start getting altitude once you're ready. It, it was real weird the, the way it occurred because it just seemed like we were just on the touching the tops of the buildings the whole time. Right. And then throughout the flight, we kept getting in, um, I, I, oh, what do you call them? Uh, they're not layovers. They're, they're, they're just... Uh, we have to circle because they yeah, need to. Yeah, you just got to circle. Yeah. I, and we're circling North Carolina because there's a storm in Philly and we, okay. we, we, we just couldn't land. And the whole time your heart starts shaking. You have no control and you really don't know what's going on. And you want, you, you can't wait for that pilot. It seems like it's taken hours before he can contact you before he says, you know, dear passengers, we, we're doing this. Um, there's a storm in Philly. It, it literally just takes seconds for him to say that. But for you, it just feels like an eternity. And to overcome this, I, I'll just talk with people who fly all the time. And sometimes they say, yes, turbulence is bad, this is bad, but, you know. Well, well let's, let, let's, let me ask this question again. Why is having control of that plane important to you? For me, I know what's going on. And I guess since 9-11 and... Through other news things that I've 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 heard about and and stuff, um, for example, I, I'm not sure the actual story, but the pilot himself brought the plane down. You know, uh, the co-pilot or the or the, uh, the the main pilot went to the bathroom, and the co-pilot took over, and he locked the doors, and he brought the plane down. This is the kind of stuff that goes through your head, you know, and then just just major malfunctions. Now, granted. In the United States, we have, and we take this for granted, we have probably, we have the best airlines in the world. You can say what you want about the service of those, you know, the customer service. But those planes are always operational and they're always flying. They're always functional. You know, you, you hear stories from, you know, other third world countries and stuff, and there's always a plane crashing in a mountain, you know, or this plane's malfunctioning because, you know, they, they just didn't invest the money into repairs. Now, now so that being said, that being said, and me trying to do what I can to overcome this, other people might laugh at that. Just as I would look at a friend of mine who and, and not you, but but a, another friend of mine who was just recently in a car accident, who's at a point in his life where he's in recovery, and he's saying, I don't know if I ever want to be in a car again. Now here he's got a legitimate reason for that fear, because something has happened already. And now there's an action he's not taken because of this, Chris. And for for us... We're thinking, well, you're just in a car. But for him, the magnitude of the fear can be very paralyzing. And it, it it goes all around to everybody. Everybody has a certain fear. And sometimes everybody's fear is so different that most of the time, and, I, and I'll, I'll let you talk in a second, most of the time it's not a big deal to us. You know, oh, how could you be afraid of doing that? 
How could you be afraid to fly? I love to fly. How could you be afraid to drive? I love to drive. You know, some people, how can you be afraid of spiders? I could just step on them. So there's those phobias that are rooted in some kind of source. Something happened or they read something, whether it was personal or through the news, that created the fear. And now that has paralyzed them to take action and and thus miss out on so much stuff. I'll say, how can you not want to drive? You, you, you're missing out on, on the freedom of the road. And somebody probably can say to me, well, how can you be afraid of flying? Dude, the whole world's out there waiting for you. Just go get on a plane. Yeah. And, yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on with everybody. So it's recognizing... Has and now to take action on these. To take action, and that, and that's what I was I was going to to comment on when I was asking you about your flying. And uh, what I heard was, it's not that you're and and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not that you're afraid to fly. It's you do not you choose not to fly because you don't have the control. If you could fly the plane, would that be a better? situation for you oh absolutely absolutely so if you because if it was a mechanical or something I, I would be knowledgeable enough and there you go the fear of the un i would have more knowledge as to how to maneuver this plane how to find the next available landing strip if there's um you know a, a, a mechanical malfunction and stuff but it, it's all about trust it, it's about uncertainty and it's about trust. You know, my friend doesn't trust the guy to stop at a red light. You know, I'm not trying, I'm leery on this pilot. You know, I don't trust right. this doctor. I don't trust this this guy. I don't trust this contractor. There, it goes everywhere. So now we've gone from the fear and we're identifying our steps or processes and familiarizing yourself but now there is a trust in the process and trust in the people. You, you, can, you can become paralyzed from overanalyzing any situation. You can talk yourself out of everything. You can talk yourself out of getting out of bed today. There was, I forget, there was a guy who, um, there was a story once where a guy was very, very successful attorney. Um, he was doing very well, very prestigious firm, had a beautiful, you know, no, nobody had any issues, had a, came from a great pedigree, um, family was doing well, kids were doing well, one from nothing, had all the money, everything was going wonderful. And then um, along the way, there was, uh, you know, he, he wound up um, getting this thought in his head about not being able to win a case. And he got thinking about what if, what if I don't win, what will this mean, what will happen? And eventually what happened was he didn't get out of bed in the morning. So the, his wife calls the doctors in, the doctors examined. He says, there's nothing wrong with this fellow. He, he literally became to the point where he could not physically get out of bed because he let his mind overwhelm him with fear. He lost trust in the process. He lost confidence in himself. He was successful for all these years. And then finally something got in where he Stop trusting the process, and before you know it, he had nothing physically or or um, medically wrong with him. They couldn't fight around all these tests. It's just his mind. So the mind is a very powerful component, and we've talked about this in past. Uh, you know, we only scratch the surface of how much of our brain we use, and there's so many studies out that say that it's just like 
a little piece of our brain. I think, well, I don't know how big the brain is, but it's, I don't think it's with the bit, about the biggest, uh, bigger than a grapefruit or whatever it is, even smaller than that. So it seems, but there's only, it's so complex and we allow ourselves to freeze up. Um, you can drive a car so you feel confident in knowing and you learn that. If you learn how to fly a plane, you would be able to do that. You're training your brain to say, I know this, I trust this, so therefore I'm going to move forward. So it goes back to taking care of you. You can't control all the other planes in the air. You can't control all the other cars on the road. But you have to decide for yourself, Did I? do I have enough information? Did I equip, equip myself with enough skills? Did I learn enough about this process that I can trust in it so I can move forward and drive this car or get on this plane right. or go for this interview? Right. And, and, and I also think, I, I think people also need to realize if, if, you are, if your brain is strong enough to convince you why you shouldn't do something, you have to remember that it's also strong enough to convince you as to why you should do it. And, and I think that's the million-dollar question, literally, because if you can get into the mind of the baseball players... The, the, that game is 100% psychological. It's all psychological. I, I've heard interviews with pitchers who knew that once they struck this guy out, they will strike that guy out every time because now the, now the, the batter is psyched out now. He knows that you know, he's created this story now. Whenever I go up against this pitcher, I'm going to strike out. And, and that's something that baseball players go through all the time and I do believe that they have psychologists and and life coaches and all the, all these different influencers that that go that that the uh, major league baseball hires to get through to these players to make them better better athletes mentally because it, it is a mental game and if you could figure out how to crack that code or how to just make them absorb that and listen to them, uh, you'd make a, a billion dollars right now. Here, here's a question I have for you. What are your fears? I have actually, the one fear I do have, is I have a fear of snakes. Okay, more like a phobia. You gotta... It's a phobia. Yeah. Well, actually, it was almost, I, I guess I'll divulge this story. Uh, you know, I find them fascinating. Um, and grew up in an area where you would see them, you know, in a lake, and I would be so interested in them. But if I got too close to them, I would start to get sweaty palms. I'd start to perspire. I would back away, and I had friends that Now, would why just... is that? Because realistically, uh, as, aside from you just going out back into the woods, yeah. you know, you, you aren't going to run across them every day. And odds are, if, if you do, you could just walk away or walk drive away, away or h- however. But, but why is that? And, and, you know, the first question when you ask somebody this, it's like you're asking me, I go, well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm afraid. I don't know why it's a phobia. I don't know why I should be concerned. Is it the stories that I that people told me? Was it the, the stuff I saw on television? Is it the things that keep you up at night? You know, was that the stuff that, that, were, that movies are made of? Exactly. Maybe all of that. Maybe it was just society, you know, told me this. Just like you were talking about, you were concerned since 9-11. That was a reality. Yeah. But you watch a movie about, a, uh, you know, snakes, you're like, wow, I don't, I don't want that to happen to me. Now, it was an well, let's unnecessary take, let's, fear. Let's take it a notch further, Jaws. Yeah. Once people saw that movie, they stopped going in the water. 
and created a uh, created a whole thing, a whole market against a whole PR campaign against the shark. They'd called the sharks monsters, and and up until the past ten years, um, up in, for, for forty years after Jaws. Every time they had a, a shark on the cover of, a, of National Geographic or something, you know, it showed its teeth. It, it was very vicious and stuff. And now, as we are learning more about sharks, there are actually people who who are jumping on great white sharks to to ride them. Yeah, you know, they're crazy as hell. But <laughs> right. but there's people now who who are, who can pet, who pet sharks, and yeah. you know, you're just understanding more of the sharks. They're not this this monster of evil made to just kill you. They're they're just a a natural born predator, and that's how they sense if you're worthy of eating. <laughs> they, right. they take a bite here, they take a bite there, and um, but it did cause a legitimate fear o- over over going into the water. Many people didn't go into to the water, and then you have saying in that same breath, surfers who know that they're shark infested waters, but their mindset on achieving the goal of getting the best wave on that pipeline is greater than the fear, the natural fear that they should have of, of surfing and looking like a seal underwater in these shark-infested waters. Well, and that and, and I was going to tie that in with the snake example that you said what's a kafir of yeah. and also with the shark example. Is the risk versus the reward? And what's the probability of and that's when you look up and you say in the world x number of people there's a small percentage of people that are attacked there are a small percentage of people that are attacked and um perish from a shark or a snake you know shark bite or a snake bite so as humans we say well i feel strongly enough and the risk that i'm taking for the reward for that i will receive um warrants me to get in the water. So what I did was uh, I had a friend of mine that had a pet store and they, they had all these exotic um, reptiles and they had a whole snake section. So I said, I need to overcome this fear. Uh, and this was in my adult life. So you know, I walked in, I said, what do you got? They had these little uh, pythons and the one was probably the size of a baseball. So they put your hand out. So I put my hands out and they put it in my palms of my hands and I'm shaking, and I'm getting a little nervous and sweaty, and I'm watching. It's not really moving. Okay, that's fine. So then I take the next size up. Now, this one's probably the size of, you know, all balled up. I don't know. It's probably the size of uh, a volleyball, maybe a little bit, you know, a little deflated. Right. Okay, so I'm holding it, and its head pops up, and it kind of looks around. I'm like, all right. <laughs> and then my fear was... Is it going to bite me? Is it going to kill me? Is it going to strangle me? Is it going to constrict me? All these things, you know, because I saw all this before, mm-hmm. and I think there's campaigns built around how this, you know, people, you know, get uh, die from this, and all these all these horrible things. The fear of the unknown, the horrors of holding a snake in my hand, is going to get me. I don't want to do it, but I said I have to do it. So go back to that door analogy earlier in the program. So I chose to walk through the door rather than you know accept the firing squad. So I go, okay, how you doing? So I'm doing pretty good. And there was this couch. That if you get nervous, just put the snake down on this, this couch, you know. So okay. So now they get a bigger snake. 
Now, this one's probably the size of, I don't know, it's now they're getting bigger. And I'm exact, I'm not exact, I don't know how to do the next step by step, but right. maybe it was the size of a bowling ball. Right. So, like, when they hand, get up to 12, 13 feet. Yeah, long. and they had, they had a 17 footer, and I, right. I went nowhere near that. So, I get to this <laughs> bigger one. Now I'm holding it. So, instead of my hands cupped and instead of them separating a little bit more, now I'm actually holding it like you're holding a grocery bag. And I'm sitting there going, all right, this is my limit. I've I've faced my fear, I've learned I, I've overcome some of these um, obstacles of of getting too close to a snake. I'm doing it. Well, this snake opens up, and they go. They can sense it. I'm like, okay, he sense you're nervous. I'm like, well, yeah. Look at this. And the snake started to go around my thumb, and if you can visualize this, it's going up my arm, and it gets to about my elbow, and it turn. And I look down, and it's kind of looking. I think it's staring at me, but it's not probably. It's just going up my arm. I said, this is where I stop. I've, this is as, this is as close as I ever want to get to snakes right. again. I am done. Can you please take, if you don't take this snake, I'm going to drop it. And then the handle is there, but I had people around that I trusted. There was people was that handled, it was a controlled environment. But it allows me now, since that experience, that, um, and you're right, you don't see snakes all day, every day. No. But now I actually, uh, not too long ago, I was walking, and I did see one in the woods, and I went, okay, he's doing his thing, I'm doing my thing. That right. fear of running, that fear of killing it, that fear of it's going to get, it's all gone. So you, you it doesn't that. mean I'm going to have his pets. It no. doesn't mean I'm going to be a snake handler, but it allowed me to overcome something that had me so, not paralyzed, but it had me so concerned for so many years. Yeah. So sometimes you just have to go and um, embrace and do it. And, but you make sure you're at a controlled environment goes back to that trust factor and now it's something that um like i said i i'm okay with it i still love to go i'll go to the now, zoo and now, check now, them out now, it's fun something if if you were if you were outside and you were with that gentleman and that same snake was out there but it's you know would you have picked it up if he'd gone and picked it up and handed it to you would you have taken it? I don't know. And that's why I can go back to, I don't know. I would say because I trust in the process and I trust in this individual and it would show me what to do and I've had the, I had that limited experience prior, I, I, would, I would like to say yes, but until you're put in that situation, mm-hmm. you know, I could say, I don't know, but I, I, I would feel more comfortable knowing that I had somebody that um, does this all the time they say it's okay, and sometimes that's what you need. You need somebody in your corner to say it's okay. Yeah. It's okay to give this attempt. This is not going to um, be the be all end all. This is not the firing squad. If this goes, if this goes wrong, this is what will happen. So that goes back to trusting the process, calculated risk. What's the reward? Yeah. So to me, walking in nature and seeing a snake, even if the person says you can do it. What's the reward to be picking up the snake at this point? I'm I'm okay. I don't need to let him. He could do his thing, and I'll do my thing. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, there's not a benefit to me. Right. So that that goes back to overcoming fears too. Is what's the benefit? What's the benefit for you for doing it or not doing it? For, for me, facing my fear and getting on that plane, that benefit is putting my feet on my feet on a beach in you know the Riviera Maya. With, with my wife and having such an amazing week and knowing that there are so many people that 
don't get to experience this and, and, and just being grateful every single day because of that. You know, now if I could do something about mice, because I'm, I'm, I'm deathly afraid of mice. I think it's the fact that they move. So if you had a mice, a mouse in your hand or a hamster, I'd pet it. I'd put it in my hand, but a wild mouse or, or a rat, they, they just move so fast and I, I get the willies, I get the, the, the chills, you know, up and down my shoulders and, and stuff. I just, I just get chills. And I know some people that get like that over daddy long legs, but I have no qualm of picking up a, a daddy long legs and just throwing it, you know, throwing it off, you know, just tossing it off. Right. So, so it's a matter of, you know, facing your fears, trying to, I, I think getting to the root of why you have those fears helps because, you know, if you can find out why, you know, it, it could help you get to, you know, as it can help you find out uh, over, a way of overcoming it. And we were going through this earlier with you and you were kind enough to start ask, answering some of my questions. And, we, and I was counting, uh, unbeknownst to yourself, that I asked you why you're afraid to fly, and then we were going down that, and I asked you three times why. There was a, there's um, different um, studies out there that say the more you get, the, if you want to get to the root of the situation, is ask five times, five follow-up why questions. Why am I afraid to fly? And why am I, uh, uh, you know, because I, I don't have control. Well, why don't um, I have control? You know, what's the problem with not having control? If you dig deeper in and you, and you dig deep into yourself and, and start ask, answering these questions, you will get to the root cause of your why. And, and I think that's with anything in life. Well, you know, I'm afraid to um, ask for that promotion. Walk yourself, write it down. I think I said this to you before. Mm-hmm. Write it down and then... Ask yourself those questions. Now, it's easier if I'm asking you, so I pull it out of you. So having a coach, having somebody that can walk you through these steps, you're going to be more apt to getting to it. If I tell you, go home and do it, the chances you're going to do it are, are going to be slim because people, you know, they, they get caught up in everything else they're doing and they don't want to put the time into really investigating that or they'll answer it the way they see they want to answer it rather than having somebody pull it out of them by interacting. And, and I think a, co- a coach is ap- absolutely necessary at times because they can come up with the questions that you never thought to come up with. And, you know, not only do they come up with great answers, but they could come up with the, with the questions you never thought to, to ask. And, you know, I can't give you an example right now because my mind went totally blank. But, but I, I do know... That, that there are certain coaches, there there are certain instances where it just took the right person to just ask the right question that unlocked something that I would I would have never thought of, and it it, it takes a coach for that. Um, they help you think out of the box. They they they've thought of a few more things that you haven't. You know when you think that life. What I guess what I'm trying to say is there's more options with a coach. A coach will give you much, you know, many more options and and, and scenarios to to help you. You know, um, when I when I say options, I, I think of someone who just feels like they can't do anything right now, mm-hmm. and and they really feel like they're, they're stranded because they haven't thought 
outside the box. They, they haven't thought, well, I can just start a hobby right now on the side. You know, I never thought to do that. It took a coach to suggest that to me. You know, and I guess that's what I'm saying. It, it takes a coach to sometimes to make suggestions you've never thought possible. Or not possible, but never thought of at all. You're bored one night, take a cooking class. It's some. Oh my God! I never thought of that. And you know, uh, and I, I see where you're going with this. And I'm and, glad because I'm totally, I'm totally. <laughs> now I see, and and a lot of people get. You know, I, I saw, I, I see what you're, you're trying to say. Like when it comes to your life, and think about everybody out there listening to this, this podcast today. How can you see the picture when you're in the frame? And I've said that before, and I use that a lot with uh, the teams that I work with and individuals I work with. You're just living your life. You're in your own little picture frame. It takes somebody on the outside. So think about this. If I was to walk into your home um, and I was to say, oh, that's really nice. Look at that picture because I see the picture and outside of it is the frame and I get to see everything else around your home, everything around around your, li- around your living room. And then I can ask more questions. I can have more observations. I can find out that blue is your favorite color. How do I know? Because your whole room is blue. Right. I can find out that you like um, China rather than crystal. Why? Because you got China everywhere. But if I'm in the picture and I'm stuck in that frame, I don't see anything else. I have blinders on. So having a coach, if I can give that analogy or that example, think about, uh, you know, when you walk in your home today or you walk in your place of business today, you know, look around and, and make some observations and see what is going on all around you. And realize that, you know, sometimes you as an individual get stuck in your own picture, in your own frame, and frankly, you can't get out of your own way. And a coach helps pull that out. And it is by asking better questions. Mm -hmm. It's asking, you know, it's not just how are you doing today? That's nice because you're going to get a response. But after you get the response, what do you say next? And after you get it, what do you say next? And coaches do that. And there was, you know, when you really think about why does a football team, a basketball team, a baseball team, why are there coaches? Why does, even in golf, golf's an individual sport. Why do they have a coach? Because they get this, look at the players and figure out what they're, because those players are highly skilled, highly proficient, highly motivated. You don't have to tell a basketball player to go out and shoot a thousand shots a day. They're going to do it. But what a coach can do is they can say, let me ask you a question. Why are you shooting the ball that way? Mm -hmm. The last 300 shots, you you were shooting it a certain way. Why are you doing that? Tell me more. And then they're able to communicate. And maybe that's just a little tweak. So, you know, that's a high, that's an, that's an athlete, that's somebody that's an athlete. You know, Phil Jackson, um, you know, before Michael Jordan won any championships, he needed to have a coach, and that was Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. Before that, he didn't win any championships. So there was something that he said or did along the way to take these highly motivated, highly skilled, you know, arguably some of the best players in the world and put them together on a court to win championships. And, and have, the, have these egos work together. Um, one of the things, uh, talking about Phil Jackson, he, he wrote one of the most amazing books I've ever listened to on audiobook. Uh, it's called Eleven Rings. So the title alone lets you know that he's more than qualified to write a book about this. And something that, that's interesting, I think a coach really comes in 
and a lot of people overlook this, but the coach really gets more effective as the team loses. Because now, more than ever, they're, they feel lost. They, they're literally losing. They physically feel drained. They emotionally feel lost. It's the job of the coach during that halftime. Because how many games just change after halftime? Or during that period where the, whatever happened, you don't know what happened in that locker room just now, but the coach did something, made some changes, and that team won that game. You know, he just something to motivate them. You know, do you have any last minute lo- little exercises that you can give someone real quick, like a two minute exercise to just try to overcome a fear or, 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 or a motto or, or anything? You know, what, what, what would you recommend the first step be in trying to overcome a fear? There's a quote out there, and you, it says fear. It has two meanings. Two meanings. So it's uh, forget everything and run. So that's that's the ostrich. You know, bury your head in the sand. It's not happening to me. I want to run away. That's or it's the face everything and rise. You know, the choice is yours. So if you have a fear, whether it's a phobia, I'm afraid of mice. I'm afraid of snakes. You know, those kinds of things. Jaws. Um, f- ask yourself why. You know, really think about it. Face face and say why is this so. And then do something about it. If it's a fear of um, driving because of something happened, I I had that fear in the beginning, especially with limited views, you know, limited sight. But I thought to myself, if I don't do this, if I don't face this, if I don't see this, um, everything out in front of me and really face it and do something about it and put my best foot forward, take that very first step. Now, that very first step for me in going back to driving was let me see if I can back the car out of the driveway. It wasn't drive from New Jersey to Chicago. Baby steps. It's a, it's a step. You know, you're not going to go from um, being someplace in a. If you're in a dark place, if you're in a, if you're afraid right now, you're not. You can. You, you just don't want to keep running from it. You don't want to forget about it. Run from it. You don't want to hide from it. You want to say, I am here. I want to go from being afraid of something. I want to take a step. Mm-hmm. You may not, you know, it might take 10, 12, 15, 20 steps to get right. there, but it sounds cliche but it truly is. Take that first step. Yeah, one of the first things I did with, with trying to overcome my fear of flying, I went on YouTube and saw uh, videos from the cockpit as planes were taken off. So I knew two minutes into the flight what a pilot was doing. They're setting their altitude. They're they're doing this. They're they're doing that. And that's something I'd, I'd recommend. You, you you heard from Chris where he's saying you know he started with the little snake. Then you go bigger. You he he might not be as far as to handle that full fourteen foot boa constrictor python monster thing, but you know who knows? You ain't dead yet. You still got a lot of living. You may just have that moment. So I, I, you know, so Danny, just take the baby step. Take a baby step and, and and go for the unknown. Unknown, the unknown makes life interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, we go back and as we're wrapping up today, uh, I gave it an analogy about the guy that was you know stuck and and it was firing squad. Why go for a set? Why, why have certainty? Life is exciting when you have the unknowns. Go out and learn something new. Go out and take a step that you've never taken a step before. You made the comments. You know, step out of the picture frame. Take that first step. Step up, rise out, right. 
And then from there, you may find that there's a whole new world that you never even thought was possible for you because you took the opportunity to do something a little different today than you did yesterday. I always say everything you want is on the other side of fear. That's it. I heard that from a Pat Croce book I read. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up another episode of Living Proof with Chris Flickinger. If you have a question or a comment that you'd like to share, please contact us at flickisproof at gmail.com. That's flickisproof at gmail.com. And on social media, you can find him at Chris underscore Flickinger. Any last words, Chris? I just want you to have a great day. Make it a great week, and we'll be talking to everybody soon. Thank you.